Hello and welcome to episode two of the Christian Prior podcast. Referring to myself in the third person there, that's exactly the sort of thing that a person with a podcast would do. So this episode I have the wonderful uh, saxophonist, composer and all-round great guy Alex Hitchcock. We talk about a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, including his approach to practice, which I think is especially interesting, especially for all of you aspiring and non-aspiring jazz musicians out there, non-aspiring if you want some inspiration to get back to practicing again. One thing just to mention before the show starts is that Alex has an album launch gig at Ronnie Scott's on Thursday the 4th of November. So you should go to Ronnie's website and get some tickets for that. Um, and that's actually featuring Midori Jaeger, who was last week's guest. So that's a nice nice little crossover there. So if you want to go and see her and Alex performing on the same gig, rather than you know worrying about having to go to two separate gigs, <laughs> then this is the perfect opportunity. And also stay tuned right up until the end, because Alex and I do a duo performance of a composition of mine called Butterfly. All right. Here's the episode. Enjoy. So this is the second podcast I've done, and I've noticed every single time, as soon as everything gets official, yeah, the tone changes. Oh, people it? tense up. It's like, uh, yeah. You know, we were just talking about, you know, so many things like our favorite jazz musician, cucks, cucks, incels, incels, <laughs> um, all the terminology, bleeding from the mouth, bleeding from the mouth. Yeah. So let's start with bleeding from the mouth, Alex. Mm -hmm. Why were we talking about that? Um, because I haven't eaten anything today, which makes me worried how I'm going to perform um, on oh, your podcast. You're getting lightheaded. Well, I didn't. Yeah. I ba basically, I've told you this, but for the benefit no, of the No, tell tape, me again. Because yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't they, know. They don't know. They're, they're idiots. Um, <laughs> obviously not. The unwashed masses. Um, Oh man, I was at a dinner the other day and yeah. someone uh, referred to the public as plebs. Oh, it was God. just fucking awful. Oh, um, no. Yeah. That's uh, awful. I hope they don't listen to this podcast. It's conceivable that they might. But um, yeah, anyway. Well, let's, let's tell them now. That's not okay. Yeah. Not Shame on you. Language. Shame on you. Yeah, yeah. A hush yeah. fell. Um, really? I've got I've got some trouble with my wisdom teeth for the first time in my life it's never yeah. happened before um, and when I forget that I have trouble and bite down on the wisdom tooth my mouth fills with, with blood is what we were talking about yeah. which is a good one one simple trick yeah. <laughs> doctors hate him <laughs> um, do you know what I mean when I say that by the way because it's, it's the thing online isn't it yeah one and, simple trick to yeah alleviate yeah. to make your mouth fill with your own blood <laughs> Just bite down on an yeah, infected yeah, on a, wisdom on a tooth. breadstick on an infected wisdom tooth. <laughs> so I haven't eaten any food. It's, it's removed my appetite for today, which is why I've asked you to make me a nice coffee. A lovely coffee. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear that you've been in so much pain. No, you were really nice. Yeah. You made me a salt drink to gargle. I did. Yeah, I've been there. So this podcast is um, kind of like the springboard for the things we're going to talk about is the creative process okay and um you know it doesn't have to stick on that obviously we've already talked about breadsticks you know <laughs> bleeding Bloods, from the mouth cucks, cucks uh, incels <laughs> we haven't really to, covered those topics will your listeners much, know yeah. what cucks and incels are and will they know that we're, we're not endorsing Either of those <laughs> <laughs> well i'm making no claim to anything but but in, we're not not endorsing I'm, it yeah I think they'll need to. They'll need that clarified. Okay, probably. I think we strongly condemn the alt right, which is the culture <laughs> around some cucks and incels. Yes, 
uh, some cucks and incels we don't condemn <laughs> depending on what they get up to <laughs> it depends basically be, be nice be kind <laughs> yeah okay cool yeah. is that is that you telling me to be nice on your podcast <laughs> yeah it's a bit of both okay. it's directed at you and the incels i feel like Outside of the podcast, we talk honestly and openly and yeah. have a good time. Yeah. And I think that you can cut anything out that you, that you don't like. <laughs> Absolutely. Say. Well, we could, maybe we could start talking about incels. Okay. And the the um, the kind of... <laughs> this is totally not an expected... quite dangerous territory. No, not, not expected, but like um, the phenomenon of um, essentially, you know, young men who want to uh have decided to be involuntary celibate mm-hmm. it's like an online community right um and ha- you know <laughs> this is this 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 is a, a weird thing to say but like how uh a, a jazz musician who spends a lot of time on their own in inside yeah um practicing doing a thing you know away from the world yeah in certain way like that's kind of like just the way you have to be or maybe even just as a musician you spend loads of time you know just locked away in a little room yeah like i could see potentially this is uh, like i could see potentially uh similar kinds of ways of thinking not about the same topics but Mm. in terms of like that the isolation involved in being a a musician and being somebody who becomes an incel i imagine they're similar so I think two so, things. What do you think I'm saying? Here? No, no. I think I think you have a good point. I think mm. two things. I think people that self-identify as incels that often comes with a lot of like right-wing political ideology, which is yeah. probably not comparable. Yeah. Although there are sections of the of the jazz scene, you know, all over the all over the place that mm-hmm. does have that like weird. Yeah, it's not a political right-wing element. I don't, yeah. I don't know. We could talk about that well, if you wanted to go I, down that. No, route. I'd be happy to talk about it. I mean, what I mean is, jazz is not like one. There's not one politics within yeah. jazz jazz musicians cover the whole there are right wing jazz musicians yeah. there are anti-vax jazz musicians yeah. quite a lot of them in fact yeah talk about that i could get on a fucking soapbox about that yeah um but the other thing that what you just said made me think was that there's a a weird combination of a lot doing a lot of stuff on your own like mm. a hermit mm-hmm. and digging in and doing producing or whether it's just practice for practice's sake or yeah. whatever yeah. and then having to instantly go out a entertain if that's your thing you know like the way the way you do gigs and stuff Mm. like that's a lot of the energy is carried on on you whereas for me it's even if i'm band leading it's more spread out around around the band just because i think partly because not being a vocalist vocalist. kind of comes into that yeah um but also just all this sort of socializing around the gigs which is amazing and feels great but Mm. sometimes it's it's hard to shift between the two modes of like, I'm just going to knuckle down and do my thing. And then in the same day, you know, you could have a half an hour journey and then you're in a club and the expectation is you're going to give of yourself to the people that are around you and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's Um, hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's a really difficult thing to balance the strike. And I think it might be even harder now after having had two years of mostly being one side of that, which (laughs) is just being mostly at home, you know, not socializing. I mean, that being said, though, I don't know. I've done a few gigs and I haven't actually found it that tough. It's been fairly normal. I just felt like going straight back into normal, actually. So it might be f- fine. You Have know, you found but... it noticeable? Did you sort of notice that, oh, this feels different? Or... No, okay. actually, <clears throat> it felt 
It felt the same. That's so good. It is good. Yeah. I've hopefully it will. How, how about you? Um, I've just, I I always kind of, I think pre-pandemic, I always enjoyed being being around people that I liked and respected and sort of inspired me musically. Yeah. Um, and but I've just been enjoying that even more. Maybe a couple yeah. of experiences on gigs and on sort of uh, and in other contexts I've had uh, recently, I could expand on it. Please do now yeah. or later. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay, so like one one situation that I had recently was I did a Joe Downard, the bass player. I mm. did his like very delayed album launch at mm-hmm. Pizza Express, and um, just before that, I'd watched the wedding of my really good friend in Israel to his wife on Zoom. Um, oh wow! So I okay. came from that into this context with Joe and the band. Joe's just had a, a baby, mm. so I was you know feeling very like warm and mushy towards joe as well yeah and then in joe's when band, did joe have a baby like Recently. three weeks ago oh, two wow. weeks ago okay nice um and like everyone in that band is a really good friend yeah um so that was a in that sound check just like in that 45 minute sound check i was like there's literally nowhere in the world i'd rather be than here yeah doing this what the fuck can i swear on your podcast you can swear as much as you fucking that, want yeah <laughs> that like like i'm very grateful that yeah. the way i've lived my privileged life leads me to moments like this mm. um and then the gig was really good from that point of view because i think everyone was just really happy to play together and then yeah. the other one that i'm thinking of is going and doing a composing residency with a good friend of yours midori yeah Yeager, the who's first a, guest from the guest from the last podcast so your your listeners will know her i don't yeah. need to say that she's a cellist and a composer and a lyricist and a singer vocalist yeah, yeah. um but yeah, yeah just um you know i haven't really worked with someone else in the same physical space i've done quite a lot of lockdown working re- with people remotely yeah but i haven't worked with someone in the same physical space and i just, just felt amazing man. yeah like, to be in the same p- place as a person and then being really fucking good at what they do and inspiring yeah. in it being inspired in different ways what kind yeah. of stuff did you guys work on in this t- talk about a little bit about that retreat actually because that sounded really cool so uh, like, what, man, it what's was the cool. background of that so the background is run by um, an organization called wild plum arts which is chris gillett and lucy schaefer who are in their own right um very successful opera singers okay. and they have basically set up a, a program in collaboration with uh, an organization called Britain Peers Arts, which is based around where... Benjamin Britain Peers. Yeah, Piers. exactly, yeah. where they used to live in this big house in Albury in okay. Suffolk. Yeah. And then they've... Um, okay, you can chop this out, can't you, if I waffle? But basically they have yeah. all these... They have the Red House, yeah. which is like a publicly available museum, um, and they like keep his shirts and his bed and... <laughs> Stuff like that. Weird. I mean, well, I'm not saying weird. I didn't. You said weird. I said weird. <laughs> Thanks no, for weird. saying weird. For yeah. It's so okay. they. It's what you wanted to say. Well, would you? When you died, would you want someone to be like knocking about in your bathroom, being like, "Oh, this is where he yes. he, he shat in between movies." Yes, I would. That is how. <laughs> That's my, what you aim for. The self-importance that I believe yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. I want people to go through my my um, voice memos and be like, "Oh my god." <laughs> this undiscovered idea yeah from the 14th of february 2014 listen to it and it's like oh wow he was such a such a that amazing cool. mind yeah no good to you at that point you're just going to be a fucking brain in yeah. a vat at that point i'm sorry oh, yeah, to break it to nice. you yeah. that's what it'll be by that's then. the best you can hope for <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that's the best anyone could hope for, not just, not no, just I, you. I took that personally. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I do think it's weird. I don't think I'd want people poking around in that stuff. And yeah. I don't know whether he expressed any willingness, but Who I suppose knows? if you're in the public eye, maybe 
maybe it's inevitable that that happens if your estate kind of rolls on and whatever but anyway mm. so it's, it's where he used to live and then there's lots of like little satellite buildings bungalows and studios that were built for his basically living stuff mm. that wild plum um as an organization have now hooked up so you can go and do a creative retreat there so for example the bungalow we were staying in had a baby grand piano in it okay loads of room a lovely garden so in that's terms why you're a bit tanned yeah, I was yeah. very sunburned yeah. at, at one point. Okay. Um, Sorry yeah, to hear that. In terms of what we were doing, we were going for a walk on the beach, mm-hmm. eating a crab, uh, smoked prawns, whelks, cockles, pickled herring, yeah. kippers, yeah. tartlets, uh, <laughs> okay. um, lobster yeah. at one point. Um, and and they and because it's was all just, local, is it? Yeah, and that, that yeah. was just for lunch, and then yeah. Chris and Lucy make you delicious dinners in the wow. evening. Um, but and then we would compose sort of in in the afternoon. Midori was on cello and piano, and I was on sax and piano, yeah. and she was singing. Um, and we basically similar to what I did with Tom Barford, the mm-hmm. brilliant sax player Tom Barford. Yeah. We kind of just recorded everything we did, and then separately we're going to go away and take out the bits that we want to work on. And, okay, and then have a project together. Man, we could yeah. have like a an hour album's worth of material That's within amazing. like a month and this I is swear. something that was uh you it was funded right like they they give it's like a grant you're not paying to go and you're do not this. paying to go they you, you aren't own. paid to go but you're not yeah. paying to go yeah. and you're you're given all you're the food and the accommodation it. that sounds really cool and and just yeah. you know i i sound like i'm pitching to do it again but it was kind of amazing because i've never been in that you mm. know you could recreate that experience for yourself you could just go and book an airbnb yeah but it wouldn't be the same because all responsibility is taken away from you yeah, and that time that space to just be creative yeah. i didn't feel like doing any emails yeah. i didn't feel like doing any social media ideas were coming out so much faster partly that was because of midori because she's great to work with and partly it was just because of the headspace that you're allowed to get in yeah um well this is a big part of the creative process right it's right. like actually having space yeah which is can be kind of hard to come by yeah you know physical space as well physical space yeah um countryside and i guess it felt a little bit like one thing that they were quite keen to impress upon us was that we're not checking what you do at the end of the day. We're not mm. checking what you do at the end of the residency. Mm. So we trust you. Yeah. And I, I imagine that's a little bit what it felt like to be, you know, back in the day when there was a patronage system and they were like, well, we're just going to give you money because we believe in your mm. artistic output. Um, and that's that was very freeing. I think I think cool. it depends. Like I know I know that certain composers like Bach, like they would have like they'd have like you need to have this these compositions done by a certain time like we've got this service on thursday right we need, yeah. we need a new yeah a new thing for it so i think they did have quite a lot of deadlines but okay i'm sure it depended like i don't know about i know that was like the case for certain yeah musicians but mm-hmm. for other ones yeah i bet they did have a lot of like freedom as well you know if you're mozart getting money from the yeah emperor of um the Austro-Hungarian Empire or mm. whatever you know Fuck. king of I, vienna or something yeah nice. was there any like were you in any sort of personal or professional sort of jeopardy when you got that kind of funding as Mozart? Was it like, you know, if you didn't if you didn't write something that was pleasing to the king, you know, you, might die. you were fucked. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I'm not sure about with Mozart, but I mean, certainly uh, in Stalinist Russia, oh God. all of those yeah. composers, like there was a lot of artists that were just disappeared. Right. You know, like um, um, who was the Shostakovich guy? Right. Right. Had like a lot of struggles with that, you mm-hmm. know. So I mean I, I I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I do I do I do know that in that situation, that yeah. Was, but it wasn't just artists, obviously. It was yeah, yeah, lots yeah. of people. Well, lots yeah. of those like authoritarian governments are quite anti-art <clears throat> outside of like a very specific form that they can control. Exactly. Right? Well, well, because art is a it's an expression of 
um, individuality, first yeah. of all. And obviously, yeah. like, you know, communism and like that kind of extreme Stalinism was all about mm -hmm. the collective and you're all, we're all working towards the, the collective mm -hmm. good, you mm -hmm. know, and if you're becoming an individual, like expressing individual ideas or art that gives one a feeling of individuality, I think that was a big part of like, yeah, that's, that's very unhealthy because that can then lead to people getting ideas about, you know, wanting to do things for themselves. And then that's obviously working against the government, but, but also like, you know, like art, a lot of art is just critical of yeah of what's power, going on and power structures, structures yeah. you know and that would obviously not go down very well either so no yeah interesting mm. yeah we've allowed a lull <laughs> a lull <laughs> i was just thinking about i was just thinking i was just thinking about it about uh, yeah whether like the idea of it being an expression of in individualism because i've it's I, not always no but, no but it can be that's yeah. the thing like i think what i mean is any art that wasn't you know like like a song like if you write a good song for the state of like so the soviet union that's all about keeping everything is great and we're all in yeah. this together that's good but if it's something that's not towing the party line i just mean in, in terms of like the in terms of like communism like yeah in the end of the idea of the individual was not not okay yeah know? yeah yeah um that's kind of what i mean no it makes you know makes sense yeah. well, uh, any, anyway in, in relation to Wild Plum if any of your podcast listeners want to give me a generous stipend to let me yeah. live in their house just like, yeah. put, put my email in the blurb or something you know they can they can let me know I'll write whatever they fucking want you know <laughs> okay um, sure yeah I'll, I'll put my creative vision such as it is to one side much like Shostakovich did in Stalinist Russia right yeah and that is that's who I'm comparing with myself to okay good to know um, I, I mean, I'm the same. Yeah, if anybody wants to give me a stipend for anything, pretty much. I'm, but I'm I said it, it first. You did say it first. Well, we, we could do it together. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I do a residency with you. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I was. I've been listening to your music today. You know. Cool. So what I, this, I say this to. So I said this to Midori as well. I like. I listened to all of your music today. Amazing. I didn't listen to all of your music yeah. today, but I did listen to a lot of it. Doubled my um, Spotify numbers. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> probably gave you, got you like at least 0.005 pence more. Thank you so much. Streams. That's yeah. Okay. Um, I was listening actually to the um, the EP that you did with Sharice oh, Adams cool. Burnett, which okay. I hadn't listened to before. Mm -hmm. um, I really like it. It's Thank really you. really cool. Um, and it seems like you uh really thrive from collaborating with people as well like you've done a lot of projects that's like you and another person right you know, like so was that was that was that project with Sharice was that all of your compositions or did you guys work together on that yeah no it was it was all my writing okay. and then she just kind of came in and absolutely nailed it in one yeah, in one really studio did. day yeah. um in a way that not many people can do actually no. um and there's like a very specific quality to her voice that I think matches with tenor sax mm -hmm. really, really well. Mm. Um, because I wouldn't, I don't think I myself would write lyrics um, right. because I think lyrics are great, but I just, I, I like the music that I write generally being a little bit more sort of oblique and you don't, you know, yeah. it's like harder to pin down. Although actually uh, Midori Jaeger wrote some lyrics for a tune that I'd written for, for a recording that is coming out in November and I yeah. can talk about. And that was, yeah. that was amazing because it was like someone mining the composition for stuff that I didn't know was there. Mm -hmm. Obviously they bring something. It's like her, her interpretation yeah, of, that, exactly. of that musical material. 
but that um yeah that ep was really fun to do it was like a help musicians uh funded right. thing and it was the first it was the first of the ep with sharice yeah, yeah 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 okay. first recording i'd done that was that had funding so mm-hmm. it was nice to be able to you know just on a practical level like get a nice studio pay people properly and and, and make them feel like i valued them right um and was grateful for them being yeah there. but yeah which is a challenge like it's a struggle to just get all of that together mm. because it it's i mean it's so hard just to get the money together to like be able to pay people yeah it's like you know uh, please can we do some rehearsals and can we do the recording and it's mm-hmm. like what you know mm. i when i do stuff like that i feel like i should be, be like being able to pay people for it you know mm-hmm. yeah but it's just so hard isn't it yeah like, to do that you know yeah it's yeah it's incredibly difficult mm. um and there's all sorts of like um uh, not to make everything about privilege but there's all sorts of like privileges at play because when you mm. you know some people are really good at writing things mm-hmm. um either just because they are or because of a way they've been coached sort of educationally or like you know all right yeah that's like a big that one. sort of background mm-hmm. and that determines whether you can get a bloody funding application off you know yeah to spec and yeah and, sure and things like determines that. like where you go to university in the first place which, yeah which then yeah goes on off, like you know has further implications down the line as well that's a thing right so it makes you yeah. wonder how many people aren't funded there are lots of people right. are doing a really good thing where they accept video um submissions now um uh, yeah obviously loads of people can write really well but like mm-hmm. if it's just not something you're necessarily used to you know mm-hmm. you don't want to be spending two days on a funding application yeah um yeah what am i talking about i don't know <laughs> uh well we were talking about just being able to pay people yeah for, for that and and obviously you got funding mm. from help musicians right yeah help yeah musicians yeah. uk who were really good throughout the pand- pandemic and funded a lot of yes projects, they were yeah and funded gave musicians a lot of mo- like money not a lot of money but mm-hmm. some help yeah you know yeah they were quite active yeah which is good because mm-hmm. i think i can't really think of another organization that was as active as them the mu did a little bit as well but not not loads but a little bit yeah know? but i other than those two organizations i think prs were doing something as well but i don't know <laughs> again you cut this out the mu yeah. said a lot the the M- said they, a lot. they made a lot of noise yeah no i won't cut this out because that's what the mu does okay the time yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um the mu I, do say a lot but I think, how much do they actually do well i think there's a know? risk of taking credit for achievements that have actually been uh, mm. things that have actually been achieved elsewhere right. and then basically stamping your own logo on it. Mm. But we don't have to go down that mm-hmm. <laughs> negative, miserable. <laughs> well, something that could, we could talk about with with regards to the MU, and I don't know if this is something that they have said they're going to do something about, but I would assume it should be something that they, they would be looking into because they the MU has all of these recommended minimum rates mm. for gigs. Mm-hmm. Uh which, you know, you have all these PDFs saying like the musicians union suggests that you should be paid this, this and this for gigs and stuff like that. Yeah. The actual amount that most of the time musicians get paid for those gigs is quite a bit lower than that. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't seem like they've got this PDF, <laughs> but that's about it. It yeah. doesn't seem like there's much enforcing going on of like any of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially around London, there's a lot of venues that that you know hire musicians to play three two three sets and yes they they are not paying them perhaps as much as they should or could you know um and that's something that i think that the mu could maybe look into you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of shaming there's a lot of 
shaming between it between musicians mm-hmm. of other musicians that take gigs for yeah, for, for less money true. isn't there yeah, and yeah. i think that's very i think that's very dumb <laughs> to be honest because mm. i think there's a million reasons why people take gigs yeah. some people take gigs because it's like that that 50 quid is the difference they between them being able to Absolutely. pay rent eat whatever i, I agree yeah. um, and people aren't taking gigs for little money to mm. fuck over other musicians no. you know no one's thinking like well i'm gonna make it everything worse for all of us no but like you know when you get on these facebook groups and oh and yeah people yeah, are like yeah. you know you shouldn't and i mean i you shouldn't know, take I, a gig for less than x amount yeah yeah, yeah I, I i don't have a problem with musicians taking no no gigs. i know it's, you don't yeah. the, i know what you mean there is that narrative isn't there but yeah it's like they shouldn't have to, or we shouldn't have to. Yeah. You know, it should like, you know, if you're going to play a gig in central London on a Saturday night, three 45 minute sets, you should probably get more than 50 quid. For yeah. It, you should definitely you know? be paid appropriately. But yeah. I just think it's interesting that like musicians haven't really found a consensus. And I guess it's mm. what you're talking about. The MU doesn't enforce it. Musicians haven't really found a consensus on, on how to deal with that because I think someone will always take those take those gigs yeah and, uh, and people will always offer those gigs yeah you know? right that's the difficult part of it isn't it it's like unless all the musicians not just in london i'm sure this happens everywhere yeah uh decide no we won't do any 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 work for anyone yeah unless yeah this is the the bare minimum you yeah know? If, unless there becomes some like standardized way of like you making sure you cannot fees. pay below but then that's that's really difficult to make happen. And then, you yeah. know, like that's also, I don't know, is that even like a legal thing to do at this at this point? You know, I mean, there's a minimum wage, isn't there? But I suppose be a minimum, so. But I don't even know yeah. if that applies. And like no. venue, venues I mean, offering low fees because mm. they know someone will take it is mm. just capitalism, isn't it? It's because capitalism, they, yeah, they know exactly. someone will take it. it and, and that's bad, but that isn't a problem that the MU or the musician body can resolve on no. its own. No, it certainly so isn't. So I think to be like, to do this shaming of people for taking gigs yeah that's like, that's a where does it that's, that's no good why no and and some you know often the people who are taking these gigs might be younger people mm. you know who are just graduated and they might not even or not even graduated just you know just just young and just become musicians and they don't they don't even necessarily know what what's out there you know like mm. i remember this having a chat with a, a young guy who I knew who's a, a another piano player and singer who had a residency at a central London hotel <laughs> right. that I used to have a residency at, you know, and um, I, I was doing the agency that I worked with was paying. I think it was like, I mean, this is, so this was a, a few years ago. We, it was five sets of music Bloody right hell, which okay. is really intense yeah this was a lot five sets and, and i was being paid 220 quid to do five sets okay now 220 pounds in the grand scheme of things is, is not that much to, i'm sure like depending on who you are listening to this like some people would think that's a lot of money some people would think it's almost nothing you know but for for a musician it's it's a decent fee you know and if you're getting offered that two three four times a month it's a, it's a good job to have even if you're um you know, even if you're really working like, like five sets, I was there for a long time, you know, it was like, it was a, it was a real solo piano, solo piano and and singing. Okay. Um, I mean, in a way it was good for me, you know, in, in some ways it was, in some ways it wasn't, but that was, um, that was run through an agency. Now I, I wouldn't be surprised if the agency was taking quite a bit more, Mm. you know, like at least 40 to 50% of the money. I'm not sure. I, Mm. I can't, I can't say, 
but I know that they have done similar things Are in the past. Are you contractually not allowed to say? No, I just don't know. But, okay. but I, can, I, I do know that they've, like, they've done, like, taken similar percentages in yeah. the past for sure. Okay. However, they lost the contract and that's why I stopped doing it. I think there was something like they've, there was a few times where they forgot to book somebody, you know, something like that. And then the hotel decided to go with a different agent. This mm. is an agent who is uh, books for a lot of hotels in <laughs> central London. And um, it's funny that we have to be careful about what we say about who this is, because this kind of thing is happening a lot and it's like really exploiting musicians. So this, this coming back to this y younger guy, who's also another piano player and singer, he told me he was doing the, the gig. He's like, oh, I'm doing... Uh, I'm playing at the Savoy. I was like, oh, that's great. Is it still like five sets? And he's like, yeah, it is. It's a really long, long thing. I was like, yeah, it's really hard. I used to do that. And he said it was with this new agent. And I just, I was like, oh, out of curiosity, how much are they paying you? And he said 75 pounds. Holy shit, no way. Yeah, 75 that's <laughs> And I can guarantee you that the amount of money that the Savoy is paying yeah. for music is probably, is probably the same. Mm. There's, um, Gives you some idea of what's going on at the moment. I guess well, I say at the moment, I mean, it's all been stopped for the last two years, but there's kind of slightly romanticized thing about like paying your dues and taking a load of shit and punishing gigs. Mm. Um, that doesn't sound like a shit gig, but certainly 75 pounds doesn't sound like an appropriate fee for no it. Way. And I guess you have more um, focus. People like help musicians, but and, mm. and, and others and just generally in society, you have more focus on people's sort of mental health and to a lesser extent i think their working conditions so i wonder if in the long run that's going to play into people being like well no i can't actually you know i can't do that to myself for playing for that playing money. five sets affected my mental health yeah i, right. I would say did like, you how doing did it you regularly feel like when you got off the end of the gig were you just completely drained it was like a it was like a, a weird emotional uh journey wow. you know at the beginning yeah i would be like kind of like oh my god this is going to be a really long night. And, mm. and, you know, also like you don't know what you're going to experience throughout the night with customers and members of staff and stuff as well. Right. You know? Like, um, but I like didn't know. Yeah. I just, I would go in feeling like really scared mm. about like this long six hour mm. kind of playing thing. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up in front. And then, you know, the f first, and second set would be kind of okay because I was like, that's just like how long you usually mm -hmm. play for. Then set three and four is like a dip where you're just like, oh my God, like I really can't yeah. do this. And I remember like coming out in the break being like, is this just it for me now? Am I just mm. going to be doing this kind of thing mm. for the rest of my life? I'm just, you know. And then set number five would almost be this like heroic return because oh, wow. you're like, this is the final set. Yeah. And you get like a bit of energy and you then you get to go yeah. home, you know. So it was it was like a whole journey. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was really intense. I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's it's nice sometimes, isn't it, to feel totally drained after a gig. Mm. But that sounds like a different type of, of drained. It was, um, yeah. It's nice yeah. to feel totally drained by a lot of different things things but yeah. sometimes playing music is one of them when you when you get to the end of it and you're like that's that's it like for today yeah. i don't have any more yeah. Um, yeah that's a really nice feeling it is i mean especially if the music you're playing is stuff that you really care about yeah and you, and you love yeah. it and it's you know an artistic expression and all that sort of thing i would say the music at the hotel mm -hmm. i mean not so much it wasn't like bad you yeah know? i wasn't playing the kind of music that I would really not enjoy playing, mm -hmm. but it was still just because it's so much. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's turning that sort of job is turning music into a commodity. You know, isn't yeah. it? It's like if it, it's like we want, yeah, we want 
we want six hours of music and we want it oh you know going all the time and it's just like in the background i've heard that voice already today Oh, this is a slightly different one. Okay, right. Do you know, but but it's it's like a different thing. It's, it's not like oh, come please come to our venue and perform, mm. and you know we'd love to put on a show and like yeah. market it. It's a totally different thing. It's like status is a is a thing that plays into mm-hmm. that, isn't it? And the yeah. way they perceive your status. When yeah, they're, yeah, when they're, um, yeah. A weird thing I've noticed at the moment is I'm my, the functions that I'm doing at the moment uh-huh. are mostly. Uh, ones that I've booked which yeah, I quite like because I can set the fee and I can book who I want Me and too. it's, it's yeah. really nice and I've really noticed that when I leave my email signature on that says saxophonist slash composer you know mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook mm-hmm. album out on whatever Yeah, people are like oh we're really looking forward to having you come play for yes. us you know can we provide you with food and drinks yes, and yes. like that that kind of thing yeah they, because you're an established artist well they, but they I, treat you differently but is i that guess what you mean kind of but it's yeah. also perception because i could yeah. write whatever i wanted in my email signature and yeah. it wouldn't necessarily true. be true so it's just yeah. the idea that you're that you exist As and a, have a profile outside of that thing that they're getting you to do right yeah. makes you makes them treat you better it, yeah i think that's definitely true you know like because they perceive you as well it's a difference between being like oh we have some sax player coming to yeah. play some some background jazz or we have this person like in your case we have alex hitchcock coming who has we just looked in his website and there's a there's a quote from walter smith the third on <laughs> yeah, there you know what you. I mean? yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean though like yeah. that sort of stuff i mean that that would be quite a niche thing to yeah. be attracted to if yeah like, yeah well, not niche if you're a jazz fan but mm-hmm. you know like which they're definitely not. <laughs> no, they're usually not, are they? If they're asking for yeah. jazz at the at their party, um, well, they they are. But man, there's a brilliant you know. video of um, Mark Turner and I think maybe the, the Spanish drummer Mark Moralta as well playing uh-huh. um, playing really out at a wedding function, oh, like amazing. very early in their careers. Oh, that's, um, that's I need to see that. Yeah, yeah. send that to me. People people die, and a completely like nonplussed audience. But whoever it is yeah. that's booked them is clearly a fan of jazz and has been like, yeah. do your thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I've done gigs like that. Yeah, you know? I've done gigs like that where like the person who books you wants it yeah. they want it and they want it real and they yeah, want it like, yeah. they're like you're amazing they this want it incredible. authentic they want it authentic yeah. and the, but the, the rest of the people there are just like oh. yeah <laughs> where's where's fly me to the moon yeah yeah <laughs> where's the yeah. girl from Ipanema you know and those can be kind of fun in a way you know because mm-hmm. you have the you have the permission to be mm-hmm. as obtuse as you want yeah and like <laughs> you might be putting some people off mm. but it's like feels almost good in a way <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, funny, isn't it? It's a weird relationship to an audience. It is a weird relationship to an audience. But then you you can only, in that situation, you can only do what you've been asked to do, you Mm. know? Yeah, that's a thing. Actually, sometimes that there's some gigs that aren't functions that that fall in between the cracks where Mm -hmm. where it's sort of um. This is a tangent, but I I feel my playing get getting affected because I know like say it's you know a club in Chelsea or a club so you know like a jazz club like that which is a club that I love um, and I really like to play it. But you know that most of the audience probably haven't come to see you. They've they've come to eat steak and be out in Chelsea on a Saturday night. Yeah, then it's a gig. It's not a function. No, and it's you. Playing, yeah. Sometimes playing your own music. Yes, right? and your own name. Yeah. But you're still like it actually Can changes I? the language Absolutely you use. Absolutely does. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that feels that feels very dishonest when yeah. I do that, and sometimes leads to a 
a less satisfying musical experience because you're like, well, I'm playing to neither context. I'm not playing to people that want to hear it and I'm not playing Fly Me to the Moon. I'm yeah. doing some sort of fudge. Some sort of weird thing in between. Like, what does it say about me that I have the ability to do that? I think it shows that you're a versatile musician. Partly, yeah, or that you, you know? like don't have any integrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. No. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think it's really hard to not be affected by something like that. You mm. know, I mean, I know exactly what you mean. Mm. Doing gigs, there are certain venues where, yes, the, the audience there, mm. they're there because of the venue. And yeah. it, it is just like, <laughs> it feels as though you can't be yourself in front of those people. However... Mm if you just decide to just do it anyway, mm. you know, I've actually like recently I had a couple of gigs that were like that, you know, like, um, and I was like, after, before lockdown, I was a lot more worried about all of this stuff. But mm. I think after, after the lockdown, something in me kind of changed where I was like, I'm just going to do, try and be as authentic as I can. And I, I did it. And I was worried about some of the tunes I'd chosen that they weren't going to be the right fit for the gig. Uh, you know, they were originals, but I was like, oh, I don't know, is this too not the kind of jazz that they're expecting? Yeah. You know? But it was all good. It was all fine. And as far as I could tell, everybody enjoyed it, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe some people didn't, but nobody did anything, you know. And yeah. The person, <laughs> and that's what counts. Yeah. The venue was like, that was great. We okay. want you back next year, you yeah. know. So I don't know, like maybe maybe you can just do it as well mm. you know but it's a, i know that resistance like it's really feels really hard doesn't it yeah self um self editing self editing yeah so like what what uh you you have uh, you were talking about the language you would use mm. that might be something to explain in terms of obviously we have a lot of listeners who might be jazz musicians or familiar with that but like people who don't necessarily know what that means like, yeah this is to do with improvising. Yeah, like improvised musical language and how mm. sort of oblique that is or not. Um, I mm. think there's, well, again, but it's just my perception of what kind of musical gesture is palatable to a certain audience, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that might, my perception of that might just be out of whack and then I, I get it wrong. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess, yeah, I guess there's certain ways you could improvise that's more, that's either more intense or more, um, I don't know, involved or like different sort of types of energy as, oppo yeah. as opposed to just really sitting in, in in what you're doing and not really taking taking, taking risks, risks, I think, is, is part of it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I that, that's what I mean about language, like what kind of what kind of improvising are you are you doing? And I think I know, you know, I know that there'd be some people, you know, if you put like. I don't know, just for sake of argument, Kit Downs in that situation. Kit Downs wouldn't just play something that's palatable. Kit Downs would just play what he hears. Yeah. And then what's the difference between their artistry and yours that they are so um, committed mm. to their thing mm -hmm. that that's just all they'll consider doing? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think one's right or wrong. No, not um, at all. And not to criticise anyone that changes how they play in front of different audiences, because obviously, I think I think a lot of people do. You, you know? change how you speak to different people. Yeah, it's exactly. Very human. Yeah, it is really human, and it's like that. Is improvising musically is like an extension of speaking, isn't it? Mm -hmm. A lot of the time. Yeah. When you're, let's say, when when you're in an environment where you are able to just be yourself. Yeah. You know, like, let's you know maybe performing your own music or you're playing in somebody's project. That's, mm -hmm. it's just everything is totally welcome um whatever you decide 
What's your, uh, do you have any kind of like process through improvising? Like what is it that, what are you thinking about? What are you trying to do when you're improvising? Because that's such a big part of, yeah. this is a big question as well. It's kind of maybe a difficult question. It's a but, good question. It's a many-parted question, isn't yeah. it? Um, depends on context, first of all. So I think you are, you are trying to do whatever you can to make the music sound good in mm. that in that moment. And you, I think want to be conscious that you're just contributing to the overall sound that a band's making so yeah. you know you're as as you're playing the band's only making one noise do you know mm -hmm. what i mean yeah. like if you looked at it on on the computer there would just be a waveform yeah, right and that's the total sound of the band mm. um so you bear some responsibility it. but not all but not all yeah um and which is I, sometimes lost yeah 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 exactly yeah certain people um yeah yeah, so I don't think just because you're soloing, you're necessarily have to be spotlighted throughout that solo. No, um, and I think then connected to that is you want to you want to be listening very very hard to what every other person in the band is doing, mm. um, and yeah, I mean sometimes you'll just play different. I mean you can't control that depending on your mood or depending on the experience you've had that day or depending on you know whether you feel comfortable in the musical situation, whether you fall back on your muscle memory or whether you're really like stretching and trying to play what you hear. But yeah. I think the best feeling is and I don't claim to have this, but there's the the Kenny Garrett Coltrane thing of you're just a conduit, you know. And yeah. and for those guys it would be you're a conduit from mm. God. Mm. <laughs> for me slightly more prosaically it would just be that you want to get to a point where you feel like the what you're playing isn't necessarily your own ideas it's just a completely instinctive reaction to what's going on in the moment and you're not right. trying to impose your own preconceived shit on it mm. um so that's less a process than just stuff i try and it's try really and hard about. to get to that place isn't it like that yeah. that place of genuine like that place of like really conduit improvising yeah. yeah is i mean for me anyway i've certainly experienced that feeling but yeah. it's super rare you know like it can be really hard to get to it's like a certain transcendental place that you yeah. need to get to you know um like how often do you find yourself there do you think depends who i'm playing with to be honest yeah. um I, I mean so i think in chelsea on a saturday yeah <laughs> yeah i think over time i have that experience more and more because i'm yeah. able to get myself to to that place and i'm playing more and more in context that i want to be playing in right um i think that really helps doesn't it yeah i just think the conduit analogy is is really helpful because you don't have to be a conduit of something but i think mm. you can be conscious that what you play is not really your own what mm. you say and think is not really your own is it yeah. it's just a product of all the stuff you've assimilated from well, exactly. from, from around you and, and you're that, just sort that's, of a, that's something i was going to say that. like that in order to get to that point you do need well i would say most people need to have ingested and learnt and practiced a lot of stuff from other people first mm. before being able to become a conduit for something that hasn't ever been done before right yeah you know? and, and what's a lot of the time go on yeah yeah no that was, that was it go no uh, well and yeah and and what's unique about you is the way in which you reorder yeah, and you process exactly. that in, that information the same with an author yeah know? yeah it's right the same words right yeah it's also often the same stories being told over and over again with mm. the different you're a different details. It's the yeah. same. Yeah, just the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. A lot of the time that can be the case in like films, you know, mm -hmm. films, novels and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. That's interesting. I also <laughs> find it interesting. Just <laughs> as well. That is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
We're back. Had a coffee break. Well, a making coffee break. Yes. And we thought about something to talk about. Oh, yeah. In the break, which was to do with practicing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I-, I wanted to talk to you about practicing anyway, actually. But aside from this, but maybe we can start with this thing that we were talking about, which was um, the the journey of the mind whilst practicing. Yeah. Like I find, this is something that I've been kind of sort of battling with and trying to work through for quite a long time, that when I'm practicing, when I'm all on my own, mm-hmm. doing the thing, you know, that there's a lot of uh, negative thoughts come in, sometimes criticizing myself, mm. sometimes thinking about, completely unrelated things but it's all like negative stuff a lot of the time which Mm -hmm. obviously is like potentially something that's a personal thing that i need to just explore but i think a lot of people have it yeah yeah. exactly but you're saying you kind of sometimes have a similar uh something something like that happens i think a lot of people have this self-criticism because actually you need a level of self-criticism when you're practicing anyway to be like no that wasn't good enough i should do it again or yeah well, so, and also because hopefully you're practicing things you can't you can't can't do, do yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is where the hatred comes. Yeah, in, well, it? yeah. It's like it's a fine line, isn't it, between self evaluation and self criticism, and mm. that extends obviously beyond practice as well. But yeah, but in practice, you're right. You need to have that part of the brain switched on. Yeah. Um, so you yeah. you said that you have like a, it's quite bad at the beginning and at the end, but in the middle you kind of get underneath it. Can you just talk about that? Whoops. Talk about that mental process, like. Uh, that you have during a practice session. Yeah, I suppose it's just something that I've that I've noticed that I'll that I'll have a period at the start that doesn't feel great and feels a bit uncomfortable and you're trying to get into it and you're quite in your own head and you maybe haven't quite stopped thinking about the thing that you were doing just before or like the fucking leaking roof or the mm-hmm. cat bringing in baby rats or like whatever. Cute little baby rats. Um, very very much alive little baby rats, yeah. Um so like I, th- there'll be a period New where pets. I'll, Yeah, I know. They fucking I th- I thought they were homing so I did I tell you this one like the middle rat that the cat brought in looked a lot like the first rat so I captured it triple bagged it um, in carrier bags went Sounds out into the rain in, in Camberwell in the dark with a rat in a bag and a big knife <laughs> so I could slash the bag open so the rat wouldn't fucking asphyxiate and I drove it like to the other side of Camberwell and I was like oh, run <laughs> to free. make sure it doesn't yeah, come yeah, anywhere to make sure it doesn't back. find its you know its little oh. rat home um, so you separated a young rat from its family yeah basically. I did yeah that, that is what I did but that young rat will, mm. it's got wider possibilities now in the other end of Camberwell near B&Q rather than under my deck there's more there's more stuff for it to do i reckon yeah yeah um that's the same kind of um justifications that uh, the british empire (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i'm sure well i mean separating children from their families inheritor of the british empire so i'm I'm not surprised that i would be uh (laughs) trapped in some of its logic um yeah but yeah so so basically i'll I'll have i'll kind of have that at the start of a practice session where where i'm sort of still thinking about the external and then you can kind of or i feel like it's possible to get beneath that um to a place where you're just you're you're actually not for me that conscious of anything other than the the thing that you're doing Mm -hmm. um depends what type of practice it is obviously but um i really like that practice where where you feel completely like it doesn't really matter where you are and you're not sort of specifically connected to what's around you yeah um, not 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 kind of like tied to the outcome either yeah like, exactly you're just you're just doing it and you're, that... you're honing it and you're mm. inhabiting it and stuff and then i think i'll come up through a bit of the same thing at the start because i'll start thinking like well what am i going to do next what's for mm. dinner what am i going to apply this at the practice end to yeah yeah um and i think actually that's um 
that's what makes noise complaints. I know it sounds like a really specific thing to bring up, but that's what makes noise complaints potentially really impactful on practice sessions because the idea that throughout what Someone's you're doing, listening. yeah, and someone yes. could is being disturbed is a negative mm-hmm. impact on mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah. I personally find to be really uh, distracting. So do I. Yeah, I, yeah. That's a that is a a thing actually and that's something that can even play into your mind like I could I find myself yeah. if I'm in a situation where I know people are around listening yeah. not always but if like if I'm in a potentially like sort of like slightly more mentally fragile place I might start whilst I'm playing mm. like repeating the same thing over and over and again over mm. again imagine the people who I know are listening going like oh when is he gonna right. stop playing this right. thing over yeah. and over you know I mean that's 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 just something that goes on in my mind and I'm like okay do I know that that's really happening? Is that mm. really the case? Yeah. No, I don't know. And it probably isn't. And in fact, I know like the people that are around me are very actually supportive of the practice. Okay. But, yeah. you know, generally, but it's, I get it. It's, yeah. it's a tough thing. And unfortunately, a lot of musicians actually have to struggle with, you know, they do struggle with noise complaints to the fact, to the, the point where they can't practice at home. Yeah. Well, right? Notoriously, you know? not necessarily the, the best paid profession, um, you know, being a, being a, jazz musician in some yeah. contexts obviously yeah. some people are paid very well appropriately very well but it means that lots of people in lockdown they're living in you know cheek by jowl with with other people and, yeah you know uh walls are thin you're living in an old in old buildings a lot of people are living in house shares and stuff mm. um so i think it's yeah i think it's slightly overlooked it's as a it's very it's very difficult to practice productively in that, yeah, in that yeah. environment it is it's really tough um, the dream is to having a just a little studio just a shed studio. well a friend a of mine yeah. built uh, an outbuilding yeah in him and he lives with his sister that. and they they built they built it in their back garden and they yeah. were nice enough to let me go and practice oh, halfway through the nice. pandemic and that was that that was quite the big change actually just yeah. being able to go and play as loud as i want because there was mm. building works going on next door that is good brilliant what, what does a, like a practice session look like for you i know that it can vary depending on what you're doing but yeah say like you're just mm, gathering new ideas like that kind of practice se- session and trying to internalize things yeah what um, does that look like for you well so pre-pandemic I, this doesn't answer your question fully but That's it's fine. context Pre, pre-pandemic fine, Alex. <laughs> Pre, strike one yeah um, <laughs> pre-pandemic it yeah. was my, basically all of my practice was reactive so okay. like if I couldn't execute something on the gig the night before or yeah. there was something you know that I, that I couldn't do in someone's music or like a time signature that I couldn't hang on I'd mm. be like right well let's address that and I'll find a way of addressing it yeah. I'll, I'll make myself up an exercise of addressing it or I'll go and transcribe someone that I think is really good at doing x or whatever mm-hmm. um so it was like it was more like fixing leaks and plugging gaps than it than it was i want to be able to play in this way and i'm going to do certain things in order to achieve it it's quite a good way of building up actually uh, like a very versatile arsenal of skills though actually is like just finding rather than just ignoring that thing yeah <laughs> whenever yeah, yeah. it comes up yeah. actually addressing the problem you know if we all did that as humans i think we'd be <laughs> yeah well <laughs> in a good place it, it, that is true but then yeah. on that just on the flip side i think sometimes you just have to accept that there's certain weaknesses and some sometimes those weaknesses are just part, part of, of part you. of your playing and yeah nice actually yeah um, yeah sure but but Having said that, that is what I did. I tried to correct correct mm. things. Um, so it probably wasn't the most expressive way of, of practicing or the most artistic because right. it was like, you know, I can't, I couldn't do that yesterday. So mm. I wanted to be able to do it reliably. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the pandemic, I was very lucky because I was just living at home with my fiance who was working. And, I, you know, I picked up more work over the course of the pandemic. But at the start, I was literally just practicing and cooking. Yeah. Um, so that was an opportunity to be like, 
there are certain things that I want to be able to achieve mm. independent of what I've done before and I'm now going to practice towards them and I think, I've, yeah. I think I'm better now as a yeah. result which is really great I, th I feel the same in terms of you know even though as it is at any point of life practice is up and down it was the same in the pandemic yeah. I feel like I've, I've as well like made a lot of like progress yeah. in the pandemic like as nice a person feeling. but also as a mm. musician so what, what, what are some of the things that you what decided to work on so a conscious decision was to just develop slightly more um colors like harmonic possibilities over mm -hmm. static harmony so like yeah. different types of scale you'd use on a dominant seventh or mm. you know different um yeah that kind of thing yeah, different like voicings you one might chord use. yeah you know, exactly like yeah how one can I, sound yeah how you can make that one sound that you're playing over the top of more. I'm just trying to translate that for people who might not know what that yeah, means. Yeah, sure. You know I mean? So yeah, exactly. Like, well, you've done a good job. That's yeah. exactly what that is. Yeah. yeah. Just um. And, yeah, and I would think of it as different different colors because different yeah. types of scale that you might use would produce a certain a certain effect. Yeah. Um, and then another thing was I was like I'm not strong enough playing in odd times. So right. again, yeah. do you want to translate that or odd times? Um, you know, like playing when you're on a gig. And like, there's a bit of a drunk guy there and he's just being a bit odd. Yeah, it's an odd <laughs> you know, time. Being, it's an odd time, isn't it? You know, being put off by the guy who's yeah. like, do you know, do you know Moondance? Like that kind of thing. I've, right? I've, had, I've had someone go, come go, footprints, uh, that, as a way of requesting a, a, a song and put his mobile phone in the bell of my saxophone. Um, his mobile phone in yeah, the bell of Yeah, because he saxophone. was on a call to his friend in Serbia. He wanted to hear footprints. Play footprints for my friend in were you, Serbia. Were you actually playing a tune at that point or was it? Uh, in between it tunes, it kind of came up That's and demanded footprints. But um, yeah. yeah, I guess, I guess no. like, you're very used to playing on a grid of... of two yeah. or four like even numbers. this is actually what odd times is. Yeah, yeah 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 odd times is not what we just said um yeah and, and just being able to um being able to phrase things where there's odd numbers of, of yeah and being actually being five beats in a bar seven yeah. beats in a bar instead yeah. of your regular one two three four yeah exactly and yeah. i wasn't strong at that and it's not easy better at that now. you know if, if you're used to hear like we as like western european the the vast right. majority of music that we're hearing is in four or but it's in four, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's all very... The, so the phrasing feels incredibly natural in that. Type yeah. Of situation, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was another thing. And mm. then another thing was I just played incredibly quiet for four to five months because mm -hmm. I was literally... I was playing with a tea towel down my bell. I was playing quiet and I was playing into a wardrobe surrounded by the things that were hanging in the wardrobe to try and sort of mitigate the sound. Yeah. Um, the bell then, of your saxophone. And tea yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I put a... a uh, but I also had one inside the bell of my penis as well, just for safety. I just wanted to clarify, yeah, yeah. you know, because the tea towel in the penis is yeah, yeah, quite that's old classic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's actually what I call the tea towel that I use. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, just playing incredibly quietly for an extended period of time yeah. made a massive difference in terms of the the textures and sounds that I could produce on the sax. So I'm that sure. was another good thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What about you? What did you did you um, what did you like practicing during the pandemic? I. I really enjoyed practicing, actually getting inside piano technique a little bit more. Right. Because I've never really, just like the teachers that I've had mm. have never been like technique based teachers, mm -hmm. you know? So I felt like for such a long time, I've been playing this instrument, the piano, where, where there's so much depth of like technique knowledge yeah. out there. And I just didn't really know any of it. I knew like little things like, oh, you know, you should do this or you should do that. But 
I kind of, I, I did a course, an eight week course with this guy who uh, is a, he's, he's, he, he used to teach um, in a, a lot of universities like um, conservatoires, classical piano technique and stuff like that. And he's got like a, quite a particular way of teaching technique, which really resonated with me. So I did an eight week course with him and I just felt like my, my just through doing the course with him, like my facility on the keyboard has, has improved a lot. Like there's yeah. a lot of things I can do now that I was, was trying to do before, but couldn't quite pull off, you know? Mm. So that, that was something that really was, uh, Nice. And what I found, like have, be, being more at ease with technique stuff, which there's still a long way to go, but like what I've done so far, it just meant that I was able to, I just play differently. Like yeah. the, the way that I, I can improvise far freer than I mm -hmm. did before. You know, like there's just, it's just like a, a slightly, di my sort of musical personality has changed a little bit just oh, because wow. of that technical facility improving a little bit. And Ch it, changed it, or expanded because you're, you're able yeah, to. I guess expanded. Mind more yeah. depths of it it's now. like it's like the the actual musical knowledge uh in terms of like theory or ideas yeah. didn't necessarily change that much it's just that i was able to access more of it yes you know what i mean can i can i make an analogy there yeah. where like where the 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 um you know what your your imagination and your influences and stuff like mm -hmm. that is the is the thing to be mined and then the level of technique allows you to sort of go deeper into that yeah. but obviously that totally falls down because there's people that focus less on technique, on technique and they and, can do incredible and stuff produce incredibly deep mm -hmm. yeah music and sounds yeah, yeah. and stuff like that so no it's true yeah, like, so it's, it's rubbish i take it back no but i i don't think it is rubbish i think it maybe just depends on the person yeah you yeah know? like because there are there are loads of piano players who don't have good technique yeah but they can do incredible things that yeah. only they could do you know uh it's just like but but maybe if they if they spent time studying a technique that resonated with them in a certain way, they might be able to do even more. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it would just put them in a different direction. Some I, people, I when they have helps. too much technique, yeah, like that doesn't doesn't help either. That's like yeah, it, it restricts right restricts. It can also restrict. Yeah, can't it? right. Yeah. Mm. I guess it's really individual. Like for me, it was like just I was at a point where. I just knew that there was stuff that I was trying to do that I couldn't achieve. Yeah. And I was, I practiced, practiced it a lot and was still finding that just physically, however I was trying to go about it meant that I wasn't able to pull it off. Whereas yeah. maybe those people who, who don't have like traditional technique, but they just found a way to, mm. to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you could just find it. I just wasn't able to do that physically, I guess. So now you, you know, can, now I can better than before, yeah. you know? So satisfying feeling. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did you do much composition? Yeah, I did. I did do quite a lot. Um, just because I had the time yeah. to do it. And I find I have a, I have a bad approach to composition, I think, which is I'll sit down having not done it for a month or anything. And I'll be like, now, I'm, you know, now I'm going to write a tune for this record or write a tune for this gig or, or whatever. Right. And that's not don't think that's the way of doing it really is it because you know when you're playing every day then playing feels easy and natural and things come out why wouldn't it be the same with composition, composition you know yeah. like someone like john hollenbeck the american drummer you know he just like does writing exercises every day whether mm -hmm. he's going to compose or not and then you're all sort of limber and the ideas come out and you can you can realize the ideas a lot better mm -hmm. um so i guess i had that in the pandemic i was just trying to write every day okay I ended up writing quite a lot of quite a lot of music for for projects that are now happening that's great have just happened yeah that's gonna really get nice. released next year it's a good feeling it is yeah well, 
just oh that's all right there's a siren nothing wrong that with that stay in. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah uh we're in a city uh if you didn't know an undisclosed city nobody knows no it's probably oh, yeah. it's How probably much london information do you share with your uh i mean fans if i didn't share much then it would mean nobody would come to any gigs or oh come to any so things, they can know? triangulate where yeah. you live depending yeah. on what gigs you, you say you're doing in public exactly. yeah i don't mind people knowing where i live you know down to you know, the yeah. specific address yeah yeah like you know come get some would you like it if you achieved it <laughs> <laughs> that's an offer um would you like it if you achieved a level of fame and success where like it, when you walked out your door people sort of were no. like fuck you know or there was like a photographer there i like, don't think if so you, if you were like dominic cummings you know the equivalent <laughs> would i the, the musical equivalent of dominic cummings yeah yeah oh god <laughs> i wonder who that is who is that yeah. I've got someone in mind. Um, sort of maverick. A bloody-minded mm, maverick. Um, no, I don't think I would like that, actually. Mm. I think I would... Uh, there's, I think there's a part of my ego that would like that. If yeah. I'm honest, yeah. you know, there's like, you know, being revered is something that is appealing to the ego, mm. you know, to my ego anyway. Mm. But it's not actually... I think if I really am, like, honest about yeah. it... I can see that that's a, a desire that the ego would have. And I think when I was younger, I was a bit more naive about it. And yeah, I was like, yeah, I yeah. want to be like, blah, blah, blah. but yeah. no, I don't think so mm. now. I think it would be nice to, it's nice to have a level of like, uh, success in terms of like, you're able to just mostly do what you yeah. want to do. Yeah. But like, I feel like I'm kind of already almost doing that without having very much at all. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, um, if I think if if that recognition was able to get you to a point where you you just have more freedom and maybe more funding to be able to do yeah, the projects that yeah. you want to do, that's a good thing. But mm -hmm. no, I don't I don't think getting having being papped outside yeah. the house would be good. How about you? I think that would just be horrendous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also just wouldn't like is in, completely in Congress with like the things that I want to try and achieve because mm. my goals are quite my goals are quite narrow. If I just yeah. was able to spend my life touring mainly with other people's bands but i like doing my own as well yeah um, well no sorry i should go into that more it's an incredible privilege to have people that i know and like um play my music so obviously mm. i like doing my own stuff but if you just said to me you're just going to play in other people's bands in clubs and festivals for the rest of your life I'd be happy you actually said yeah you said to me i remember uh, a while ago when we were, we were traveling together for a recording session you mm. said that you actually prefer playing oh, 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 well that, that, Correct me if I'm wrong. That. No, you, you can, said yeah. you prefer playing other people's projects than you do doing your own. Yeah, right? and again, that's not to diminish how appreciative I am of when people play my music and no. how great that is. No. But no, I do prefer it. Um, I like the responsibility, and someone's chosen you for you, and they think that you can make their music come to life in a way that you know, hopefully, only only you can within a very specific set of circumstances. And I think that's uh, you know, sort of it's a privilege, really. Um, yeah and yeah you're just there to be a part in a machine yeah you're not there to be the thing yeah you know it's not your it's not like your particular vision it's it's someone else's or a collective vision i think that's yeah really right nice. more like in line with to bring it back to the beginning yeah. communist yes exactly <laughs> communist yeah yeah ideals. yeah yeah that's that's no. kind of how i base i base my thinking on yeah. i just think sometimes music is that though isn't it it just has to be a yeah communal thing but sorry to interrupt Karen. no no you're not interrupting you're you're uh that's additive you're 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 adding layers um like a i'm comping yeah oh yeah <laughs> fuck's sake um 
I so, sometimes <laughs> sometimes when I'm doing my own thing, I feel like um, like so today is a really good example. Like I was getting some stuff ready to send some PR people for an album that's coming out on Fresh Sound in November, okay. and I was like, who am I doing PR? Like who you know who do, why do I why does my stuff need PR? Who do I who do I think I am? Like and it kind of makes you think. Well, I'm not you know I'm not really doing something that's going to achieve anything. But actually, I think the way of thinking about it is. No, I am doing something. It's just got quite a narrow scope, and that scope is is well defined. And there's mm. nothing wrong with that. Like, it, I I feel like I'm accepting more with my own music now that it's it has a very narrow appeal by its nature, and mm. that's fine. It's absolutely yeah. fine for things to have a narrow appeal absolutely. and just make us you know make Often a difference better. to a small yeah, yeah to a small amount of a small amount of people. Yeah, and you are doing something that is well defined and and of and of value. <laughs> I'm going to admit to what's happened. So okay. we've just uh, come back after another short break. Much shorter yeah. this time. The mm-hmm. break caused by the fact that my laptop ran out of battery. I thought it was plugged in, but it was in fact not plugged in. So we've lost about 15 minutes, which is a shame. But um, we've decided that we're okay with it. We're fine with it. We had a good time for 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 what it was, yeah. and I can't remember anything that we said that was so like mind blowing that yeah, that well, people the, need to. The most important thing was that you were just talking a little bit about what you've got coming up, the projects that you've got coming up. Did and, we? And, and you know some things that you might want to plug. So if you could talk about that just for a second. Yes, I can. The one thing that I want to plug yeah. is album release. Thursday the 4th of November at Ronnie Scott's. It's a great band. It's got Shane Forbes on drums, Ferg Ireland on bass, Deschanel Gordon on piano, Midori Jaeger on uh, voice and cello, and me on sax. And I was saying, if you don't come to hear me play the sax, come and listen to the band because it's an amazing band. Yeah, it will be a great gig. Um, really and that was, basi- that was basically it, wasn't it? We just talked yeah. about... Oh, we, we talked have, about a load of stuff. Three albums, or three projects that have some things coming up. Like if you could just say very briefly, there's yes, this, there's this album for Fresh Revenge, Sound. Yep, for the album for the can't the record remember label Fresh Sound. The record label Fresh Sound, yeah. um, which is based in Spain, and we did a recording over three days with three different bands. So there's lots of amazing musicians on that. Uh, then I have a a really cool remote recording project with the brilliant guitarist Ant Law who I praised a lot mm-hmm. in the bit that we've just lost so I, I hope Indeed. I hope he'll believe that I did praise him you said one at least one nice thing yeah, yeah 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 I said nice things about his playing and his organisational ability uh, we do we did a remote recording with some really interesting uh, musicians from America that I never really thought I'd be able to work with and the pandemic was a great opportunity oh yeah and we we said so, we're not allowed to say who those are. But then we just we realised it was Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, Barbara Bush, Alex Alex Jones, Jones of Infowars, the gunman, Rand Paul, the Republican. Yeah, they're all on it. Yeah. Um, spouting off. <laughs> and uh, and then yeah, the other thing is an, another recording. Me and Tom, the brilliant saxophonist Tom Barford's band Orb for Edition Records. Yeah, that's which, a great album. I love that. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. I was pleased with how that went actually. Yeah. Um, that was fun. The first one, I don't know this about the second one. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I was, well, I was, yeah. The, so the second one we're going to record in February because okay, um, right. Brexit and coronavirus meant that Jasper and Mark couldn't come over. Uh, it would have been this week actually. Right. Um, so yeah, really yeah, it does. Yeah, but we'll do, we'll do it in February, and it would be with it will be with Jasper Hoyby and Mark Michelle and the fantastic American multi instrumentalist Morgan Guerin is going to do a remote recording as well. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great. That's, that's probably so. more concise than we you know it's, than we got anyway, wasn't it? It is far more concise. Yeah, yeah. and we still managed to 
do the reveal about Rand Paul. Which is really exciting. Yeah, that is good. Um, yeah. So people can find you at www.alexhitchcock.co.uk. Very good. They can find you uh, at abhitchcock on Instagram. Yep. The B stands, B stands for, for Bailey. Bailey because yeah. my dad and my mum weren't married until recently. Now they're married, which yeah. is lovely. But yeah. I grew up with my mum, so I use Hitchcock. Yeah. 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 Oh, I didn't marry her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh, <laughs> and then that's it, really. Yeah. Anything else? I've had a good time. I've had a good time. I've had a lovely time. I'm looking forward to continuing this yeah. in private. Yeah. Well, let's play some music. Okay, cool. Okay. So thanks again to Alex for joining us. That was a great conversation. You could probably tell there at the end there was a little bit of a audio mishap. Not only did the laptop run out of battery, but also when I fired it up again, my microphone wasn't recording. But you could kind of hear what I was saying, and what was more important was that you could hear what Alex was saying. But just to reiterate, his show, his album launch show at Ronnie Scott's, will be on the 4th of November um and i'll put a link in the description for that so please go and support some more exciting news uh involving alex and also myself is i will be hosting a live stream show from masterlink studios on the 17th of september and uh, alex is going to be joining my band for that so that's really exciting to have him on board i will put a link to that gig in the description as well we're going to be playing a lot of well all original music and all new stuff, none of it has been released yet. So it'll be a lot of new material. So please come and join me for that gig on the 17th of September as well. Finally, if you've been enjoying this podcast today, or you've enjoyed the, the one with Midori, or both, hopefully both, it would be really great if you could support the podcast by leaving a positive review and a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast app. Helping out in that way will just make it a little bit easier for me to get this podcast out to new people. Now here's my piece, Butterfly, performed by Alex and myself. Enjoy.
What, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Nothing. Nothing. Why, why is that, nothing. Alex? Are we recording? Yeah. Um, because I've uh, every time I, I, I have a problem with my wisdom tooth, as I've told you, and you made me a disgusting salt <laughs> drink. <laughs> yeah. It's very kind of you. Yeah. Um, every time I forget that I have a problem and I bite down, my mouth fills with blood. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, right, let's see.